Thank you, please. Now, on behalf of the committee... Once again and welcome to episode 28 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host Michael McCall and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Steve Pander. Hey Michael, how's it going? So we're going to do a short podcast today just to kind of catch up with what's the latest news in Whitecaps and MLS land. From a Whitecaps point of view though Steve, there's not really too much to talk about, it's been pretty quiet. Very quiet, uh, eerily quiet kind of. Worryingly so perhaps? Yes, very so. I, I, it, 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 you gotta, especially on the coaching front, um, they have. there's been some names leaked out about who's been interviewed and stuff like that, but nothing definitive yet. Nothing very exciting either really. When you, when not you at this them. point, no. I mean, but the, the names that people have been talking about, we mentioned some of them on the podcast last week. Jesse Marsh, Carl Robinson, Richie Williams, Gary Smith's put his name about, but then Gary Smith's going to put his name about for, for every job that's come up. Seems like it. None of those names really excite you. I mean, from those, Carl Robinson's the only one of those names I, I would touch with a barge pole. No, I totally agree with that. And uh, the one that really confuses me is Richie Williams. I, 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 that came out of... Like, I, I think the MLS... I think uh, Bob Lernerduzzi mentioned this in the... Pro- Post, like after he fired Rennie, that they were going to talk to MLS and get some suggestions. I think this guy is probably one of those suggestions from them because I don't see why you would talk to somebody who couldn't get the U17 US team into the World Cup. And like he was former quarterback with Hamilton Ticats and Winnipeg Blue Bombers as well. So I, I mean, maybe got, that's the Canadian connection. I think you got the wrong Williams. R- Richie Williams? Yeah, Richie Williams. Oh. New York Metro star. Oh, not, not the CFL quarterback. No, no, no. Ah. He might be better though. He might be. No, so uh, like, what? Why would you like? I guess this is like I said, one of the suggestions from MLS, part of their list and everything that they're going to interview. And if they are interested in a couple of people that are still in the playoffs, then obviously you got to kill some time and interview some people and see show that you're doing something. Now, what I will say is, I'm glad that they're taking the time, because I would rather that they do that now that they've lost out on, on Frank Yallop. I mean, you look at other teams. Columbus, Chicago, they got rid of their, their managers, they replaced them really quickly. We're taking our time to do it, and I think that's a good thing. I don't think we should be rushing, because this is one of the biggest appointments, not just in the Whitecaps MLS history, but in the Whitecaps history, because it's going to to shape the whole direction of the club, hopefully for the next few years to come. What we don't want is the wrong man appointed, and then... 
we have we're going through this again in a year's time because the twenty fourteen season has been a disaster. So I would much rather that they that they took their time, spoke to the best people that they can speak to, and and get the right man for the job. But are they speaking to the right people? I mean, people want want to speak to Jason Christ. Another name which I want to throw in there is Dominic Kinnear. And he's somebody that, that I would really love to, to see the Whitecaps going after because what he has done with Houston, constantly getting them into the MLS Cup, getting them deep in the playoffs year after year, I think he would be in many ways better than Christ for, for bringing to the club because he, he's got a pedigree, he's obviously got Scottish roots, which I'm quite fond of, born in Scotland. Maybe that would, would put him off. But what, what I know is other clubs are also interested in these people. And FC Dallas, they are also looking for their coach just now. And there was an interview on MLS Soccer on November 14th when they spoke to Hunt Sports Group Vice President Dan Hunt, who are the owners of the club. And what he said is that they are wanting to speak to some coaches that are still involved in the playoffs. And one of the coaches that they have believed to be targeted is someone who's no longer in the playoffs, who is Oscar Perea, who's at Colorado Rapids. But the general feeling is that they're wanting to speak to Jason Kreiss and they're wanting to speak to Dominic Kinnear. And that's the ambition that I think the Whitecaps should be showing as well. We should be saying, look, we want to speak to these guys as well. Whether we do or not, at least come out and say that they want to, because then it shows that we're having ambition to go after the big guys. And would you be surprised if Dallas got one of those guys and the Whitecaps either didn't or didn't even go after them? Uh, I think they will go after them. There's no other reason. Otherwise, they would have probably selected somebody by now. Uh, my speculation is that they... I personally think that they either know the person that they want and they're just waiting to talk to Christ and... Uh, Dominic here possibly and just to show that they are going after the big guys but they already know who it is out of the people they've already interviewed or they feel good that they have a good shot at signing or selecting one of those two coaches to be their coach uh, going forward um, Dominic here I, I agree with you that he's he's a solid coach but I don't see him being any better than Jason Christ in the way that uh, RSL is constantly in the playoffs too they've, uh, they've won the cup which Dominic Kinnear has won as well. but Twice, in fact. Yeah, but the thing is, is the one thing I've noticed about uh, Kinnear and the Houston, it couldn't be a product of Houston's uh, inability to spend money on the residency. Houston has signed some players, but they usually go through the draft. And like guys like Will Bruin, Kofi Sercody, and stuff like that. It seems like they develop their players there more, um, whereas RSL uh, has uh, tries to go through the residency program. With a guy like Lewis Gill. The, the thing with Kinnear as well is, and possibly Christ, word that I'm getting out is that the feeling is that they're too expensive for the Whitecaps to go for just now. Kinnear signed a three-year extension in 2012. So he's in the last year of his contract extension just now. So if the Whitecaps want to get him, they're going to have to pay compensation, which could be... Six figures. Uh, yeah, I mean, half a million, 600,000. Yeah. Could be could be something like that. So... Will they want to pay that to get a coach or will they want to go for a coach that's already out of contract? But then you have to ask, the coaches that are out of contract, there's a reason that they are out of contract, except in the case of Christ, 
whose yeah. contract is still up for renewal. And I think the RSL probably just wants to maybe, they feel they have a good system and they would want to go with one of their assistants and bring those guys up and let Christ go and not have to pay that big amount. The other thing is, are the Whitecaps waiting? Because Dallas have come out and said that they're speaking to people who are still involved in the playoffs. If the Whitecaps now announce that who the coach is now, it's obvious they're not speaking to people who are still in the playoffs. Because going back to Dan Hunt's quote, what he says about that is, because of league rules that affect coaches that are still in the playoffs, we have to be careful. Yes, there is some interest in a couple of people involved in the different organisations still in the playoffs. We will be reaching out to those clubs. So speaking to the coaches whilst they're still involved in the playoffs is always going to be a tricky situation. Well, you get permission and you just make sure it doesn't go public. But That's what if they don't give permission? Then because you have to wait. Yeah, so I mean, but, are, are the Whitecaps waiting for that? Are the Whitecaps just not even bothering with that? But because Dallas are saying that they're wanting to, to wait and do that, we feel we have to wait as well. Otherwise, everyone's going to point fingers and go, well, why haven't you gone for these guys? Because they clearly won't have. Well, if we announce anything this week or next yeah. week, and it's not one of the guys that's out of the playoffs, then we obviously have had no interest in Well, that. RSL gave permission to the New York expansion team uh, to talk to Christ, so I'm assuming they would provide their permission to... But that wasn't during the height of the playoffs where they go for the true, but I think, they sh- I think you can still talk to an agent without talking to the coach itself, and, and um, you get an idea of what it's going to cost, so they probably do know. That's where I think they probably know... That's why I was saying like either they know who the coach is and they just want to wait till the playoffs are over so that, that way they show that they talk to these people that are higher profile so they just look they don't look like they're settling for a cheaper option or they know that they have a good shot at Christ so they want to wait for that. And just one other name I'll just quickly throw in that I've heard on the agent's grapevine and don't ask me why I'm on the agent's grapevine but there, there's been chatter from an agent that I'm friendly with that... And you can take this with as big a pinch of salt as you as you want from anything that comes from agents, because I I don't trust him as far as I can throw him to be honest. But he he's telling me that he's heard that the Whitecaps are talking to Bob Bradley this weekend. So who knows if there's any truth in that? He is free now that Egypt are no longer wanting his services, and he's out of the World Cup. So I know. Let, let's see what happens about that. Of course, one of the other options is still Carol Robinson. And the thing with Carroll, though, is there is a really good opportunity that he is going to get offers from back in the UK, but I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he gets other offers from other clubs in MLS. Carroll yeah. was at the, the residency games watching the 18s and the 16s play against Portland a couple of weeks back. Any new manager that comes in, and it's something that we talked about before, he's going to want his own coaching staff. So it's quite right for Carroll to, to look at possibly going elsewhere and it's going to be the Whitecaps loss if that is the case now the big thing around this delay is it's affecting a number of things if you look at what Seattle are doing this week they're announcing like player extensions and new contracts Osvaldo Alonso has just been made DP Brad Evans this morning he's just had a contract extension as well Whitecaps nothing at all because they can't make the decision or they shouldn't be making the decision without the new manager being in place and surely that's just going to be hitting us hard. Yeah, the only thing they've done so far this offseason is uh, send Alderson on a two-week two training stint with a QPR, uh, which is good for him, but it, it's very minimal in the way of transactions to figure out what kind of team is going to take the field in 2014. 
Now, is it just a training stint or is it a trial? Because we have seen both reported. You spoke to Bryce before the, the season ended and he hinted he wanted to go and do he something. He said there were options. Uh, he never mentioned a trial. He never went into specifics whether it was trial or training. I think with Mark Burcham, who's a youth coach for Canada as well, they already have a couple of Canadians in uh, Petrasso and Carrero. So uh, I think a couple of former TFC grads. So they look to have... Uh, a keen eye on Canadian talent. So I think if Alderson does impress, maybe he sticks around there and plays for their U21 side. It'd certainly be a great opportunity for Bryce and we kind of wish him well in that. Now, the big thing that's going to still happen this year is the 2013 re-entry draft. So decisions have to be made on the players who is staying, who gets released. And it's, you have to be fair to these guys as well. They have to know ahead of time do they have any future in Vancouver? Should they be packing their stuff up and get ready to move before Christmas? And I've been trying to find the date of the re-entry drafts, and from a quick glance just now, I can't find it. Usually it's a week after the MLS Cup, so it's, it, they don't waste too much time after the MLS Cup to, to, you know, for those kind of drafts. So you're probably talking second week of December. So if a coach is going to get appointed, if they are waiting to speak to certain people, the coach may not be appointed until after the MLS Cup. I actually think the coach will be appointed before the MLS Cup. But if if there's not, a new coach is going to just have days to peruse the squad and, and make his own decisions. Or is he going to take guidance from the committee? And, but the thing is, is I think they will have uh, whoever it is. Because there's a two-week break, I think, between the this, this weekend's matches and the MLS Cup. There could be a possibility, and it's happened in the past where there's a deal struck with the coach. They make sure that only a few people know and it doesn't get out at all. So there is a chance that they could, if they are looking at Christ, that they, they deal with him during these two weeks off. So let's talk about the this weekend's upcoming matches. Uh, you got RSL going to Portland, up 4-2. And we have uh, Houston traveling over to Kansas City. That's a nil-nil draw at this point, so... What, what what are your feelings about that those two matches? I think both matches have the potential to be classics, really, because you know for a fact in the West, Portland's going to fight for every inch of their life. And a two-goal deficit with that crowd behind them is not insurmountable. But they haven't had very much luck against RSL this year, or in previous years even, I don't think. I, I, I don't think you can look at that. This is like a one-off game. Yeah. I, I, I never believe that you should look back at what's gone before, because it means nothing. I mean totally different circumstances they've never met in a game of this magnitude they've never met in a game where Portland's fighting for a chance to to do what they have never done before and and get to the MLS Cup it's going to be great I think RSL are going to to win that one I think they will score a goal in the first half and it's just going to change the whole game plan for Portland and ultimately they're just not going to not going to do it and they're going to fall short I think Portland will win the tie possibly 2-1 and it's just going to be the most mental final 10-15 minutes that, that we've seen in a playoff game and because away goals don't count it's going to be they just need to score two more in order to take it to that extra period if they need to yeah and they, they need to win by three to, to win the tie and that's what I think is going to be tough for them yeah. I just can't see them doing that the other one it really could go either way, and it depends what Kansas City turn up on the day. Will they be nervous because they're playing at home, and there's all the pressure that if they win that, there's a chance that they, they can actually host the MLS Cup. And 
Houston, been there so many times, done it before, won in the roads in, in MLS playoff action, won the MLS Cup. They know how to get the job done. They know what kind of game they need to take there. It could be a cat and mouse, but for chess match. And, and the thing is, is even if uh, Kansas City, they, they do show up and they start firing away, they got Tally Hall in that Houston does. And he, he's been able, he, he did it against New York where he, he stopped a, a, quite a few shots and kept, New York, kept the Houston in the game until when Omar Cummings scored that goal in extra time. I could see the Kansas-Houston game going to extra time. Could even go all the way to penalties. What what's your predictions for it? Who who do you think is gonna contest the MLS Cup? I think it'll be RSL in Kansas City. I'm gonna go with RSL in Houston. I just have this sneaking feeling that Houston are gonna do it again. At least it's not gonna be LA Houston again. Yeah, that's true. But I, I just think they're just a dynasty and what they've done in the East and when they were in the West before they they made the switch as well. They just know how to get the job done, and I, I think they'll do it. And I think, ultimately, though, RSL will win the, the MLS Cup. So you've heard our predictions. What we're going to do now, though, is add some mysticism to the podcast. Now, you've probably all heard of Paul the Octopus, who was the... May he rest in peace. He, he was the, the octopus from the aquarium that made accurate predictions during the 2010 World Cup. From Germany. From Germany, yeah. yeah. He was fantastic. He predicted so many things. So we don't own an octopus. We don't own any kind of aquatic thing. We're going to get you to dress up as Aquaman, but we can't quite get the costume on you. Yeah, it won't fit. So what we're going to do is we're going to have Predict-A-Dog. Yep, my, my border collie Bailey is going to predict accurately for us who is going to win these MLS second leg playoff ties. This works great in my head. Whether it's going to work great on radio, who knows. So what we're going to do... We're going to hide treats under two cups. One with the name of RSL on it, one with the name of Portland on it. And then another two cups, one with the name of Kansas City, one with the name of Houston. And we're going to see what cup he knocks over first. And that is who is going to win the tie and get to the MLS Cup. So let's get this set up. So we have everything set up here. What we're going to do is we're going to put a treat under a mocha cup and a treat under a latte cup. And then let Bailey, the predicting border collie, tell us who is going to compete the 2013 MLS Cup. Okay, so, Steve is just going to move Bailey away from the, the treats. He's like, why are you moving me away? What are you doing? What are you doing? Okay, so he's blocking it, so he can't see exactly what's happening. If you heard that, there's a treat going in each one. So we'll have... Portland as Mocha, and we will have Real Salt Lake as Latte. So, Billy, come and tell us who is going to win between Portland and Salt Lake. He's having a sniff. What one is he going to? Oh, he's gone to Latte. So, RSL are going to win and be in the 2013 MLS Cup. So, who's who are they going to play? It's exciting. It's no Paul the Octopus, but it is exciting. So we're going to have Latte for Kansas City and Mocha for Houston. It's set. Come on, Bailey. Come on. He's coming up. He's coming up. He's coming up. He's gone straight to Latte. He's gone straight to Latte again. And that gives us, ladies and gentlemen, it is... RSL 
versus Kansas City as your 2013 MLS Cup. Let's see if he's right, and if he is, we're going to bring him back and do this again. If he's not, then this is just Radio Nightmare, and we'll never do this ever again. But, hey, that's what I like to do in the podcast, and, well, let's just see if he was correct. The one thing about Kansas City is that there's no guarantee that they're going to win at home either against Houston, because the... Their home field, while it's a nice park and everything, hasn't proven to be a uh, the fortress that they won. The, uh, one of the games they lost earlier in the season was to Orlando, um, uh, th- thanks to a long tan goal in the U.S. Open Cup. And speaking of Orlando, they're the newest franchise announced yesterday. Yeah, number by MLS. twenty-one. They will be joining along with New York in two thousand and fifteen. What do you What do you think about them coming in? I have mixed emotions on them. I, I hate the way that they existed. I hate that they took Austin Aztec's franchise and its franchise football. And that just goes against everything I believe in, especially as a Wimbledon fan, because it happened to Wimbledon with Milton Keynes. And then the good thing out of that is AFC Wimbledon sprouted up. Austin Aztecs are still on the go, so that, that's a good thing anyway, because they reformed. I try and counter that with thinking that we're in North America now, and franchises and franchise football, that, that's how it is here. So I've kind of moved on from that. I've got over it. And I do think adding Orlando is a great thing for MLS because they have the fan base, they have the owners with commitment, they've got a great manager in Adrian Heath. He's someone I would have loved the Whitecaps to have gone after. And I think they're, I think they're going to come in, and I think they're going to do really well. Uh, and the thing is, is they have uh, a whole year now. Well, hopefully, they do better with it than what the previous teams have done uh, before entering. It is basically a chance for them to um, try out a lot of players in this one year. But you still want to be competitive in the year in the USL Pro. Well, hopefully, they have a better year of preparation than the Whitecaps did because we wasted that year. Yeah, we we really did. didn't. We played horrible football for one thing uh, in in twenty ten, but we also didn't bring in the players and the right players that we should have brought in. So, I mean, we wasted that. I don't think Orlando will. I think they've got more savvy and that they're going to get themselves really well prepared for this. The difference between, I think, the Whitecaps and Timbers and the Impact and the Orlando is is they're coming from USL Pro, which is a very young league. Like, you play a lot of young players. So that would be their advantage where they can bring a lot of young players in and then use those, see which young players are going to be good, solid, and then you basically bring in your veterans from MLS expansion draft. I think it's also going to be a good market as well. And you've, you've got all the tourists that go there and tourists are going to go and like, especially people from the UK and Europe. Yeah. And there was, there's been a big deal made of it. The BBC ran a story that Orlando now had an MLS team. You're going to have a lot of people come over from the UK and they're going to go and watch a football game. And for fans of other teams, they're going to think, great, we can go when our team's playing there have a week or two weeks with the family in Disney World and, and it's great. And you had a uh, you had a you spent some time there in that uh, first uh, off-season preseason for Martin Rennie when they played in that uh, Disney Cup. Yeah, what I, were your thoughts about the setup there? I I really enjoyed it. Now that that was played at the ESPN Worldwide of Sports, so it's nothing to do with where Orlando City are going to be playing, which initially is going to be at the Citrus but, Bowl. But they kind yeah. of hosted the the, the they, setup. they hosted the tournament, yeah, yeah and it was good a lot of educated fans there, a lot of support for the tournament, and I had a great time there, both at the games and just like with things to do, 
in Orlando who went to see Harry Potter World and it was magic and yeah I just think it's it's really good that they're there I think it's going to thrive and of course it does mean what's going to happen now to the MLS conference alignment which I, I wrote an article on AFTN on on Tuesday night my preference would be a temporary switch to three conferences of seven which if that then proves to be a success when we go up to the 24 teams have three conferences of eight no but how would you do the playoff then out of that Initially, I'm looking at 12 teams in the playoffs, the top four in each conference. And the top four of those 12 would be seeded and have buys into the second round, a little bit like the NCAA tournament. And then places 5 to 12 would then battle it out based on seeding. And then you would just have the draw based on seeding after that. That makes sense. Uh, I, would think, I would think that maybe they would do like where you get still get the top 10 teams. You basically have uh, three teams from each conference automatically make it, and then we'll have one wild card. The top, the tenth team, whoever is uh, remaining out of the, the three conferences. It's kind of tough to do that though, because you don't know how they're going to be able to play each other. Yeah. A balanced schedule, I think that's an impossibility now because you'd be looking at having forty game seasons, and we're struggling at the moment because we're we're playing over international dates and everything like that. Under my three conference plan, I had everyone in the conference playing each other three times, as they are just now, and then one game against every other team in every other conference, and that gave us a 32-game season. Mm. So I, I just think, my plan's wonderful, MLS, have a listen, come and speak to me about it, we'll get it sorted out. I still don't like the whole three team playing teams in your own conference three times. I don't I'm not a big fan of hosting uh, Portland or Seattle teams like twice in a year. But that's the games that folk are wanting to go and watch. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's the thing. So, uh, we're talking about Orlando. Uh, anything else in MLS you want to bring up? I guess we could talk about the, they've made their award short-lift announcement today. Sure. We're recording this on Wednesday the 20th. So, yep, MLS have, have announced who is up for things such as their Player of the Year. Camilo Shafted, not mentioned, up for Player of the Year. It's Marco DeVaio, Robbie Keane and Mike McGee. What's your thoughts on that? Um, not totally surprised. Uh, no, me neither. Really. Uh, they're always going to be going. To, whoever votes for this, you got a lot of more, more American voters um, doing this. If, if it is media that's voting for it, I think, um, and they don't watch as many Whitecaps games. The thing is, McGee went from an LA team to Chicago team, got traded midseason, and, and and kept ripping it up. Marco Devaio, he was consistent and and really showed up a lot in the in the games at the beginning of the season. And he seems to uh, did well against teams like Seattle and Portland. And I think that gave him a little bit of a boost in those early years. Uh, and then obviously Robbie Keane, he's playing for LA. Um, he's actually got a, a, quite a bit of a balance in like his goals and assist ratio. So I think he's he, that's the reason, another reason why he's up there. I, I think Robbie Keane is going to win it. I want Mike McGee to win it. Out of those three, I think Mike McGee deserves to win it. But I think from a markability point of view and the name point of view, it's going to be Keane. I think uh, if, I think Keane and McGee were definitely going to be in the top three. I think that uh, the prize, it was third and fourth between DeVaio and Camilo. And I think because uh, Montreal made the playoffs, I think that's why he probably got a boost. Now for Rookie of the Year, there's two Colorado Rapids players, guys that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, as in why did the Whitecaps not take either of these guys? You've got Deshaun Brown and Dylan Powers are up along with Mr. Horrible Haircut, DeAndre Yedlin from Seattle. 
which one of those three would, would do it for you? If you look at stats-wise, I think you'd probably give it to one of the Colorado guys. Um, Brown and... Uh, both Brown and Dylan Powers really provided goals and assists. Uh, especially Powers with the assists. He really t- but he tailed off in the later part of the season. I think if you do look at the position and the the age and everything like that, if you want to take all that into account, Yedlin uh, coming in from a residency program right into the thing, I think maybe if, if people want to do a statement and show how important it is the residency programs are, maybe they give it to Yedlin on that. And he started, I think, almost every game right back or very close to it. For me, my money's on Deshaun Brown. I just really liked what he brought to the table and to my MLS fantasy team this year. So that that's the guy that, I think deserves to win that. Now we're not going to go through all the awards. I just want to kind of just pick a couple of other ones just for for a very quick word up. One thing which which jumped out at me right away. Did you know there was an assistant referee called Kermit Quisenberry? Had no idea. I. It's like if your name is Kermit, why would you put yourself to the ridicule of being an MLS assistant referee? It's just, that's just baffling. No, what kind of parents, after having a last name like Quisenberry, name their, give them a first name of Kermit? I know, it's, well, it's not, look, we should maybe be fair, it's not easy being green. No. Um, it's not easy being an assistant referee either. But let's just quickly look at a couple of others. Coach of the Year finalists, Jason Kreis, Mike Petke, Caleb Porter. Who Who wins that for you? I think a lot of people are going to go for Caleb Porter. I'm uh, not just whether he signs with the Whitecaps or not. I'm still a big fan of Jason Christ and what he did. They sold off a lot of uh, veterans like Will Johnson, Espindola, uh, Alave, a couple. I think one other, two other guys, and then they they brought in younger players, and he was still able to keep the team going uh, to the top. And I think just that 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 in itself. I think, and especially. Maybe it's a little biased for me because I saw how their second team beat the Whitecaps and I was very impressed by that. So that 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 kind of leads me towards Christ, but I think a lot of people are going to vote for Porter. I think it could be depending on who, who actually wins the, the Western Conference final between the two teams. But yeah, my money would be on Christ as well. For, for all that I hate Portland, Caleb Porter has done a great job with them this year. And he has taken them from missing the playoffs to the Western Conference Final. Who knows, maybe the MLS Cup itself. So he has done well. If either one of them won it, I I really... I wouldn't mind either one of them winning it. I did think possibly Oscar Parejo might have been nominated for it. I thought he had done well enough I think so too. I think a lot of people had him outside the playoffs. So for him, and I think like in the eighth spot or something like that in the conference so uh him just making the playoffs i think was pretty outstanding and like i said if not for that last game against uh, vancouver if they had won that they would be they would have been hosting a first round game or possibly uh, getting a bye now the white caps are nominated for two awards which is surprising first one that they're up for is newcomer of the year which is between jose goncalves from new england revolution Diego Valeri from Portland Timbers and our very own Nigel Rio Coker. Do you think Nigel's got a chance of winning that? No. Um, I think Diego Valeri, uh, I think he was up for MVP consideration as well by a lot of people. Yeah. So I think I think he's going to win it by landslide. Yeah, I, my, my money would be on Valeri as well. I mean, Rio Coker had a decent enough season, but there was times away from home he just he just wasn't there. Yeah. And well, he, he was forced to play right back at some time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
but he, he seems to struggle with some of the, the more weirder climate conditions, which is understandable because he's never played an altitude and, and stuff like that regularly before. And the other thing the Whitecaps are up for, and I just hate this, is that the Team Fair Play finalists, which is selected by MLS based on objective criteria such as fewest fouls committed, cards received, and just a subjective evaluation of sportsmanlike behaviour. So that's between Houston, LA, and the Whitecaps. Do you think that's a good thing that we're up for that? Or is that one of the reasons that we're not actually in the playoffs because we don't have any grit anymore to actually well, make us a bit dirty? I think you can be gritty without having committing too many fouls. Fouls is a lot of it is laziness too, committing fouls. But I not. think like but, most of our suspensions this year is like Gershon Coffey and Nigel Rio Coker. Most of them, yeah. Rio Coker is just the aggression side. And Kofi, to me, is like what you're saying, the laziness in the fouls because he's just terrible at tackling yeah. and he just has got... He ha- doesn't have the control that he, we need him to have. And the thing is, is you know, uh, we, we also... you got to look at the, maybe the defenders didn't commit as many fouls because they gave so up, you know, too much space to the attacking players. That's so they, true. They were, close en- they were close enough to uh, foul the player, so that could have been the reason Also, why. we've got a lot of old guys. They couldn't actually catch the players yeah. as they went past them. So maybe that's why we didn't give away the fouls as well. But it's a huge turnaround from being such a... A, a team last year that gave away so many fouls and had so many suspensions. Possibly part of that is the fact that Matix wasn't playing, but he did rein in. I mean, we discussed this before. Maybe it was kind of like we reined in his aggression and we took all the decent part of his play out as well. Yeah. We're doing that. So. I don't know how Al is in the in the in the, in the group. I know, especially with Robbie Keane, the way he complains about everything on the pitch and everything. Landon Donovan also. I I wouldn't be surprised if we actually win that award. I just, I just think they might give us something. So that's all we'll really talk about those awards. Um, they're going to get announced from actually from November twenty fifth is the first one when Rookie of the Year and the Individual and Team Fair Play Awards. So we might know by the time we do the next podcast if if the Whitecaps have actually won some MLS trophies. And the final ones are going to get announced on December fifth. So that's all the MLS talk for this podcast. Just before we round up. Let's have a look at the Canadian national team, men and women, because the women are coming to Vancouver on Sunday to take on my favourite ladies, the Mexicans. Excellent. And they're going to be at BC Place. I'll I'll be there watching the game, as will you, Steve. Yeah. We hope to do a podcast after that as well, get some of the players involved, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Obviously, I want to speak to Emily Zura to get a waffle update. Understandable. the, The men's team finished the season without a win. Not surprised by it. Even at the beginning of the season, they were going to be playing a lot of youngsters. Only one goal scored the whole year as well. Hey, that was one goal more than at least they didn't pitch a shutout there. It's Is, is there any hope that oh, you see? I, I see if hope. You listen, if you read the stuff on Twitter, it's like folk have just given up. Which oh, I you think know it's what? a bit premature. Yeah, well, you, know what, you know what it is? It's not even the fact that... The, the thing is they have... Most of their better better players are old. And they, they they're they're... The next group of players are too young, so they have that big gap where you you're starting Nick Ledgerwood at right back. You're forced to start him. So players like that, like where you have to call up Derry Dunfield into the lineup. I wish they had used a, uh, brought in more younger players. Like instead of a Dunfield, bring in uh, a Samuel Petit. I'm not sure if he was injured or not, but 
you got the couple of kids from QPR that could have been brought in. Or well, it was great to see Caleb at least coming in and making his brief debut. Before, and then he got sick yeah, again. Then What's with the Whitecaps always getting sick around the national team? It's, I don't know. They need sense. to check the food. I don't know what it is. And what what about Russell Tiber as well? He, he just barely did, played. Yeah, that, I, I can't. I, I, mean, I don't know if he's injured or or what's going on. But that second game, he didn't play at all. So it, it's very puzzling. Um, a lot of people are are questioning. Oh, I was listening to um, uh, Jason DeVos's uh, podcast TSN FC, and he's saying that it's not a rosy picture. Some people, some of the players, not publicly but privately, are questioning uh, Floro and and his ability to understand the modern game. I I think that as well. I, I was surprised that they went for someone so old, and a, a lot of these guys, yep, they've they've done stuff. They've had great ideas, but they are getting left behind a bit by the modern game. I mean, for for all that I hate it in some aspects, the modern game is changing, and it's a lot more faster paced, it's a lot more technical, and sometimes guys like Floro and other old managers get left behind. Now you can flip that and point someone like Alex Ferguson, who, who was still doing the business for Man United into his 70s but I but think that's he was like the an game, exception to the rule I no think. but I think the game was leaving him behind he just got away with it because he was spending money on players he had decent players behind yeah. him which someone like Flora doesn't because yeah. he, as you say there's this old crop that's going out this new crop that's coming in and there is this kind of lost generation in the middle that just doesn't exist because we didn't have the right development opportunities for them and it, it's it's affected the national team. Like I would have loved to seen some of the U seventeen guys. I know they didn't progress too much as much as they wanted to in the in the World Cup, uh, but I would have loved to seen like a Keon's froze in there because people are saying that he is physically capable of playing with an old older like with men basically now. So why not bring him in there and see what he can do? I I, I would have preferred a lot of players compared to who some of the players they selected in this. But you also have as well the fact that he did bring the young players in for the two games against Mauritania. Yeah. And that was a disaster. A disaster, but who cares? If you're going to lose, who cares if you lose 3 4 nothing? At least bring the players that you want to bring in and that are going to be the future of the team. But maybe he felt from seeing that they just they just weren't ready for international level. Or, or maybe we should be playing teams like Gibraltar, who had a very credible 0-0 draw with Slovakia in their first ever game. Gibraltar an island with a population of just under 30,000, yeah. and they draw nil-nil with Slovakia. Well, on, like, honestly, I, instead of looking at, uh, uh, for the national program or something like that, instead of looking at it, uh, a country like Spain, who has uh, quite a few people to draw on, let's look at, team, look at uh, a team like Iceland, a country like Iceland, yeah. who have a population, I, I remember hearing it on the news, of, of New Brunswick or something like that, and they're able to get one step away from getting to the World Cup. They did have a fairly easy group, but yeah. But they, they competed at least. Like oh, they, they were, did. And I mean, they, they did well against Croatia. And they were everyone's team that people were wanting to get get to the World Cup, them and Burkina Faso, and neither made it. But And their youth teams are uh, have been up there and, and competing too as well. So, you know, you got to look at some of these other countries. Like, even look at, like, a team like Belgium who don't have much of a population in their country. And they're they're considered they're not going to they're not going to win the World Cup, but they're considered one of the stronger teams going into it. I th- I think a lot of countries though they they do they do go through cycles. Iceland's been like that because I remember Iceland being really competitive like a good few years back now, and now they've got the latest crop of talent. And 
I think what we can take from this is when you look at the 17s and you look at the 18s and the 20s and even some of the Olympic qualifier guys, there is hope that if these players get the right development and they get in the right teams and they get just the right opportunities to, to develop their game, Canada could have a really good team, maybe not for the 2018 World Cup, but certainly for the 2022. Oh, for sure. And I think they need some kind of, like we were talking before, they need a league that these 17 to 21-year-olds, once they're done with the residency program, that can play a full season on a team and get a lot of minutes, uh, either whether it be a Canadian National League where they, they split it up among territories and, and play well, those 17 to 21-year-olds. You're going to have that D3 league now in Ontario, yeah. which is, it's not they're, not, they're saying it's not solely an under-23 league, but they want it to basically be for under-23 players, which is fantastic. And BC Soccer needs to get its act together and do something similar. And Or you, like another option is we were t- always talking about the USL Pro Team. If, they can, if the Whitecaps can come up with a USL Pro Team, whether it be uh, two Which years from now, will be in twenty fifteen. Yeah, with uh, two years from now, th- those players that are coming through the Red Sea will have a full, you know, season to play under in a professional environment. Well, we can see what what's going to happen. There's the women coming up there, at least a bright spot for the the Canadian national team. So hopefully on Sunday there's going to be a good crowd at BC Place, and it's kind of. It's a good kind of dress rehearsal for the fans and for the stadium for the the upcoming World Cup in 2015. So that's all from us for this week. Steve, tell us where we can find you on Twitter. On Twitter, you can find me at at WhitecapsBeat and obviously writing for AFTN. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada. You can send us an email about anything at AFTNCanada at Hotmail.com and you can read all our stuff on Canadian Soccer News, AFTN. So let's hope there's some more Whitecaps news to talk about and maybe an exciting coach's announcement. Who knows what's going to happen? So thanks for listening, take care, and mon the caps. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.